Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. Good morning, Community Hope. We're so glad that you're with us today. Our hearts are full of joy that we get to celebrate our risen Lord. Will you join us today as we sing? Sing, I was buried. And I was buried beneath my shame.
what is going on around us, that we can come before you. We can cast every care at your feet, for you care for us. And we can have a confidence that as we cast our care upon you, we are looking at the one who rose from the dead. We are looking at the victorious king who has won everything for us. falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph and my God will never fail oh my God will never fail and I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Come on. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Sing less power.
Yeah.
we just thank you so much for this opportunity to open our hearts today, to be reminded of your glory, of your victory, that you went and you gave all so that we could be free. Our hope is in you. Our life is in you. And together, God, we celebrate who you are and what you've done. Amen. Welcome home, Community Hope. Welcome back to our online experience. Glad to have you today. Yes, we are. First up is we have a new sermon series that's going to be starting next week, and it's titled Three Questions Everyone Has About God. Everybody has them, so let's get them answered. I guess. It's going to be awesome. We're going to answer the three ones. Yep, number two. Yeah. Second thing is make sure to check out our website, communityhope.org, if you want to stay up to date on all of our information. And you can also text to give. You can give online. You all can that stuff is there. Mail in a check. Yeah. You can do all that. It's all awesome. Info, scheduling, check it out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number three. Third thing is also Bible app. If you have the Uversion Bible app, we are starting a plan as a church. The plan is called 21 Days in, in the Book of John with Levi hey. Lusco. That's going to be awesome. We would love to have you join us if you have that app. Otherwise, just read the Book of John. You'll be fine. Hey, it's a free app. It is free. You just go into your app store, download yep. the app. And there's a link in the description oh, of yeah. the plan that we are doing. Hey. So you can follow along. Check it out. Good morning, Community Hope. So excited that you joined us today. Um, as you may have already heard, um, we're so thankful for everyone who's continued to support us uh, through giving online or through mailing in their offerings. I just want you to know that for the entire month of April, we're going to be giving all of our offerings to an organization called Convoy of Hope. That's boots on the ground right now responding to the COVID-19 crisis because as a church, um, we want to continue to celebrate radical generosity. Even in this time where it's tempting for people to sit on their resources, we want to challenge you to continue to give um, to providing people with hope. That is why we exist, is to share hope with more people in more places. And the world is m- never more desperately needed hope than right now. So we want to give you a very tangible way that you can give. So Convoy of Hope is helping serve meals to people in need. They're actually in, actually in other countries as well, rescuing young girls out of sex trafficking right now, which is actually connected with the COVID-19 crisis. It's a fascinating thing that's happening right now, how the kingdom of God continues to advance even in a crisis. So thank you so much for considering giving, because like I said, anything that comes in in the month of April, we're going to be giving that directly to Convoy of Hope uh, to empower them to reach more people uh, with the resources they need, but then also with ultimately with the hope of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for, for supporting that and giving to that. Also, I just want to say welcome, welcome to Easter Sunday. I love Easter Sunday, and that's not because of Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. No, I love Easter Sunday because on Easter Sunday, that is when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ raises a very important question that I believe that everyone should be asking, and that is the question of who is Jesus Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ convinced his 
early followers that he was the son of God. Now, I want you to see that it was not the teachings of Jesus Christ that convinced his followers. It was the resurrection. It wasn't even the miracles of Jesus that convinced his followers of the resurrection, of the, that Jesus was the son of God. Now, these things did temporarily. When Jesus taught, he said, he teaches as one with authority. When Jesus performed miracles, it was convincing them that he was the Son of God. But again, I want you to see that that was only temporary. Because when Jesus died, his movement died with him. When he was hung on that cross, it was the end of the movement. It was the end of the way. It was the end of this movement that Jesus came. Because when Jesus died, there were no believers. I want you to see that his followers were not there at the tomb saying, hey, Jesus said it was going to happen. Jesus said three days later he was going to come back to life. They were not standing there counting down 10, 9, 8, waiting for the sun to come up because they knew the stone was going to roll away. No, when Jesus died, there were no believers. Because how can you claim to be the resurrection and then the life and then die? In their minds, the crucifixion and death of Jesus proved that he was not who he said he was. Even though he predicted this would happen, even though he told them, they're going to kill me, and three days later, I'm going to come back to life. No, when Jesus died, his followers expected him to do what all dead people do, which is stay dead. So I want you to see that even when the ladies went to the tomb, that nobody was expecting nobody. None of his early followers were expecting him to actually do what he said he was going to do. None of his followers expected that there would actually be a resurrection. So it was the resurrection of Jesus that was the convincing proof that Jesus was who he said he was. And, and this is still the convincing proof for believers today because what I want you to see, what's so important, is that the story of Jesus Christ, it isn't worth telling apart from the resurrection. It's not even worth mentioning. Because what did Paul have to tell us? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, he said, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. Paul says, if this is somehow a story that we all concocted and that we created, then we're all basing this on fairy tales and you're still guilty of your sins because dying on the cross was not enough. Jesus proved that he was the son of God by raising from the dead three days later. So it was the resurrection, not his teachings, not his miracles that proved he said who he was. It was the resurrection. And so it's still convincing people today. And what I want you to understand is that we today, we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead simply because the Bible says so. The Bible doesn't exist because they were somehow telling a good story. Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. No, the Bible exists because of an actual historical event. So why do we believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually happened? Because the Bible tells us so? No, it's much, much better than that. We believe because Matthew, an eyewitness, told us so. 
We believe because Mark, who was interviewing Peter, an eyewitness, told us so. Because Luke interviewed eyewitness and told us so. Because James, the brother of Jesus, told us so. Now, I know I've asked this question before, but it bears repeating. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he was the son of God? The teaching of Jesus didn't convince James, his brother, that he was the son of God. Even his miracles didn't convince James that he was the son of God. No, it was his resurrection that convinced James, the brother of Jesus, that he was the son of God. Ultimately, Paul, the one who said, I'm going to stamp out Christianity. I'm going to crush this movement. He experienced a revelation of the resurrected Jesus Christ. So that, my friends, is why we believe the resurrection is an actual historical fact. We don't believe Jesus rose from the dead because the Bible tells us so. No, it's actually much, much better than that. So today we're going to be diving into the narrative, the narrative of John. John was there. He was an eyewitness. He recorded it all for us. And we've been walking through the different signs. He records seven signs for us. And sign number six was when, he, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. And because he did this, many believed in him. Many people believed in him. Is how we ended that story last week. In fact, the problem was it was too many. Jesus became way too popular. And so his enemy said, this is the time. Not only do we need to kill Jesus, we need to kill Lazarus as well. And so these enemies had plotted that they were going to arrest Jesus during the Passover. And then Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, and people were waving palm branches and proclaiming him to be king. It actually got even worse, and, he's, and the Jewish leader said, he has to die. And so then Jesus gets together with his disciples for what's known to us as the Last Supper. And it's in this Last Supper that Jesus takes his teaching and his proclamations to a whole other place. He begins to tell them and institute things for them that blew their mind. He began to give them a new covenant. He said, I'm giving you a new covenant. What? He said, it's written in my blood. We're going to get rid of the old covenant. You know that old covenant where you had to go to a temple, you had to sacrifice animals to come and be right with God? Now you're going to come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a new covenant. And oh, by the way, I'm giving you a new command. All those old commands, we're getting rid of those. I'm replacing them with one command. He said, they will know you're my followers by what? By your love for one another. He answered a new covenant, a new command. The disciples thought he was about to proclaim himself as king. But then there was a betrayal. Judas betrayed him. He was arrested. He was taken to Herod. He was beaten. He was taken to Pilate. And Pilate said, well, I don't think he's actually guilty, so I'll just have him scourged, and then that will, be, that will satisfy this angry mob. But it didn't. And they continued to shout, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so that's where we pick up the narrative today from the perspective of John and John chapter 19. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull. There they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. And then John records this powerful moment. Because it's a moment that only John was there to see. All the other disciples had scattered. 
But John is there standing at the foot of the cross with Mary, Jesus' mother. And Jesus is so concerned about his mother because scholars believe at this time that Joseph was dead and he says, John, this is your mother. Mom, this is your son. He wanted to make sure that his mom was taken care of. And then it's at that point where he says, it is finished. He had completed the work that he came to accomplish. Verse 30 says, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And then John makes a really interesting statement. It's kind of dramatic because, again, he wants you to understand that this is not someone coming up with a great story. He says, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. His what? His story? No, his testimony. He wants you to know that he's an eyewitness, that he's there to, to teach to you what he saw and what he heard. And it says, it goes on, he knows that he tells the truth and so he testifies so that what? And it's now at this moment where John, it's like he's reaching out through history and he says, so that you may also believe. Now, at this point of the story, it's honestly, it's not that hard to believe. Well, great, John. Rome just crucified another would-be radical, another would-be revolutionary, another would-be that was going to take over the government. That's not that hard to believe, even for someone who's not a follower. Of, well, that's not divine. That's not a sign of the Son of God. And, and John says, no, it's, it's not this part that's hard to believe. It's actually what I'm about to tell you next. Because John was an eyewitness to a crucifixion, but then also a resurrection. Neither of which he was expecting. He was expecting a Messiah, a king. But here's the rest of the story. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. Notice the details with which it's written. The man who had earlier had visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and also aloes, about 75 pounds. So taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. Again, listen to the details which he's giving us. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so it's like they kind of just hurriedly placed him in a tomb because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And again, this is where it seemed like this was the end of the story. All of his disciples were hiding away, and they knew this was the end. But then, some ladies, they go there on Sunday morning, but they weren't going there to see if Jesus actually followed through with what he said. No, they were going there <laughs> to kind of fix this rushed, hurried job that they knew the men had done. They were going there to do it right, to take care of Jesus' body the right way. But then they arrive, and there's no body there. So we don't know what happened with Peter and John on, on, on Friday night or on Saturday, but here on Sunday morning, they hear a knock at the door, and Mary Magdalene is sobbing, and she's frightened. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. What do they assume? They assume that there's been grave robbers. They don't assume that Jesus actually came back to life because they didn't believe Jesus when he said this. So listen to the 
continued details that John gives us. So Peter and the other disciple, being him, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Again, I love these details. Why? Because they indicate an eyewitness testimony. What does John really want you to know? That he outran Peter to the tomb. That's the detail that it's important for John to let us know. Oh, by the way, yeah, I beat Peter there. I got there first. See, guys have never actually changed. We're still the same. We just, John wants you to know that he ran, outran Peter there. But then listen to what he says next. He may have outran Peter there, but then he says, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. He pauses at the entrance to the tomb. Why doesn't he go in? Well, it's dark. It's a tomb. He's being really honest. I'm no hero. He just stood there examining, but then listen to what Peter did. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Doesn't that sound just like Peter? Peter doesn't think about it. He doesn't evaluate it. He just rushes right on in. And so he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Why do these details matter? Because a grave robber would never take the time to unwrap the body, fold everything up, and leave it there. This was evidence. Evidence that something entirely different had taken place. Finally, the other disciple, being John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. And look at what it says next. He saw and he believed. The resurrection changed everything. It reframed John's life. It reframed all the other disciples' life. Because now, all of a sudden, there was evidence to believe that Jesus actually was who he said he was. That he actually followed through on what he said he would do. I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to come back to life. And you know what? I, I understand why the disciples go, you know what? I'm just going to go with whatever he said. If you can predict your death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm just going to go with whatever you say. Now, after this, Jesus actually appears to them on multiple different occasions. But he, only, he appears to some of them. And I want to read to you one account where he appears again, which I think is important for us to read. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When he appears, he appears to ten of them. Judas is gone. Thomas wasn't there. And so they are, they're very excitedly have something to share with Thomas. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And do you think Thomas responds, great, awesome, that's so cool. No, that's not the way he responds at all. He says, no, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, you can't really blame the guy. I mean, imagine how he wrestled with this. And look at what the scripture says next, because I find this fascinating. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So now Thomas had had an entire week to wrestle with this. He's listened to his friends, his buddies that he had been traveling with for the past three years, tell all these stories of how they got to see Jesus, but Thomas didn't. Imagine how this gets in his head. Imagine how he wrestles with this. Could it be true? Could Jesus really be alive? And if so, why am I the only one who didn't get to see him? Maybe you can relate to where Thomas is at. Maybe you have questions that you're wrestling with when it comes to faith. 
Maybe you have hard questions that you're wrestling with when it comes to believing in God, and you don't see the proof. You don't see the evidence that you want to see. Thomas didn't, and so he's wrestling. He's struggling with doubts. Guess what happens? Through the, lock, the, through the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. He says to Thomas, you want proof? Here it is. See it for yourself. Examine it for yourself. And then he says next, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. You ask for proof? I'm giving you proof. And so Thomas's response is very, what you would expect it to be. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. For Thomas, seeing was believing. And Jesus calls that out. He calls that out in verse 27. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Seeing is believing. But then it's like Jesus reaches through the generations. He reaches through time because he knows and he understands this is a story that's going to be repeated over and over again. Because you have seen me, you have believed. And that's great. Seeing is believing. But then he says, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is for you and it's for me. We believe based on what? On what we see? No, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of the testimony of faithful men and women, eyewitnesses who were there and they saw it. But you know what's fascinating to me? is that for some of them, even seeing wasn't enough. After Jesus appears to them over the course of 40 days, he ascends into heaven, and the scriptures say, some believed, but some still doubted. So what I want you to see is that faith is always a choice, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you experience, regardless of the evidence that you see. Faith is always a choice. And you may struggle with doubts. You may struggle with questions. I struggle with doubts. And I struggle with questions. But for me, what I always come back to is I believe that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is simply overwhelming. And that is the cornerstone of our faith. You can have lots of questions. You can have lots of doubts. But I want you to see that, the, that our faith, that the faith in Jesus Christ is based not upon fancy stories. It's based upon a historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And John recorded this for us for a reason. He has an agenda that we've been communicating every single week. He ends his story saying this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. John said, I've got lots of other stories I could tell you. I've got lots more evidence. I got lots more proof that Jesus was who he said he was. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I believe with John that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to make your life better and it's going to make you better at life. And even better than that, you have this promise, you have this assurance that this life isn't all that there is. 
that Jesus proved that he has power over life and death. Jesus proved that he was who he said he was. He proved that he was the resurrection and the life. And he proved that death is just a gateway. It's just a gateway towards another version of life. And so I ask you today, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I personally believe that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is overwhelming. Because these men and women who recorded these accounts, who reported what they saw and what they heard, eventually their lives were tested for it. And they were put on trial. And, and, and they were basically told, hey, deny all this and your life will be spared. And they said, we cannot deny what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced, what we know to be true. And they were willing to give their lives, what, for a story that they made up? No, because of what they saw, what they heard. I believe the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is overwhelming. And that because of that, it proves Jesus was who he said he was. The resurrection and the life. And the beauty of this is, is this wasn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago that has no relevance for your life today. No, Jesus says, just like John, that if you'll invite me into your life, that you can experience a greater version of life than you've ever experienced before. Would you pray with me today? I'm curious. Are you like Peter who just ran in and believed? Or maybe you're like John and you're standing at the doorway. You're standing at the edge and you have doubts and you have questions, but you're not sure. Would you take that step of faith today? Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray for every person who's watching right now. I know it's just going to challenge you. Would you just right now in your own way, would you say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I give you my life. And through that, you can know that your sins are forgiven. God's word says that he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. That right now, as you're watching on your computer or on your phone, you can pray with me right now. Would you do that? Would you just say these words with me? Say, dear Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe that you died and that you rose again for the punishment that I deserve for my sins. I put my faith in you. I receive your gift of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I just want to challenge you right now on the screen. There's going to be a number where you can text the word SAVE to. Because we believe that the decision that you made is a very important one. And we want to be able to help you in any way we can. We'd love to be able to mail you some resources and be able to pray with you, be able to help you in any way that we can in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're so excited that you joined us today. And today we're going to end our time together by singing a very famous song that displays why Jesus died. It's so that you and I could experience the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for joining us today for Easter, for celebrating Resurrection Sunday together. Would you join us as we conclude with one final song? Saved a wretch like me.
impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions we would love to hear from you you can find us on social media at community hope on facebook and instagram or at our website communityhope.org thanks for listening and we hope to see you next week